As he entered the hall of the flat, the sound came at him in waves, making thought difficult and speech at anything less than a shout impossible. Shelley, he called out, I'm back. But his voice was swept away like a squeak in a thunderstorm, and as he expected, he heard no response. He turned right into the kitchen and put the plastic bag with the flowers, the garlic and the olive oil on the worktop. The vegetables, carrots, potatoes, onions, were already neatly peeled and chopped in small piles beside the cooker where he had left them. The two steaks, he remembered, were still in the fridge. Soft red meat on a bloody saucer. He filled the saucepan with water and put the vegetables in. His fingers stayed in the water, holding one of the potatoes as though it might move. He stared at it for a moment, wondering what to do next. Then he withdrew his hand quickly. For Christ's sake, get a grip, man, he told himself. Just do what you set out to do and it will be all right. But what was that exactly? The vast sound of the bells made it hard to think. He looked around, confused. The flowers, of course, they were his masterstroke. A talisman to make everything fine. If it could ever be fine again, between the two of them. But he had to try, or appear to try, rather. That's what it's always been about with women, hasn't it? he told himself cynically. Appearances. Making things look right, even when they aren't. Making them see things the way you want them to. You can't change the past, but you can change what it looks like. He found a vase, filled it with water, even remembered to tear open the little sachet of plant food and sprinkle it in before shoving the flowers in after. It didn't really matter. They were only for show, not to last. Nonetheless, do it right, symbols make all the difference. He carried the vase out of the kitchen, stepping casually through the disordered pile of Shelley's jeans, T-shirt, bra and panties on the living room floor, and arranged it reverentially in the centre of a small dining table by the back window. The noise in here was tremendous. The window looked out over a first-floor roof garden to the city wall with Minster towering beyond, and the sound of bells crashed into the room like waves from a storm. His heart raced faster, his breathing came shorter. About fifty yards away, a group of tourists were clustered on the city's wall, some photographing the Minster, others covering their ears with their hands. If they looked this way, they could see straight into the flat. If they had been here earlier, it would have been embarrassing, he thought. But it didn't matter now. All they would see was a man arranging flowers on a table. There was frosted glass in the window of the bathroom next door, where Shelley was. One of the tourists, a middle-aged Japanese woman, was in fact looking his way. He smiled mirthlessly, stood up, and as though in some no theatre, 
called out again. Shelley, I'm back. Are you okay? To the Japanese woman, it would look like mime. He had to shout to make the weak chords of his voice carry even a few yards through the volume of sound reduced by eight ten-ton bells. But there was no answer. Stealing himself, he walked the two strides to the bathroom, watched all the way by the idle, innocently curious eyes of the little Japanese woman on the wall. He opened the door.